When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Until Saturday. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by David Ubbin, uh, post-National Signing Day's first day edition, uh, bowl preview edition, college football playoff edition, and let's just talk about the entire sport while we're at it. Um, Dave, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, Ari. Uh, we are coming close to Christmas, coming close to the thick of bowl season. The playoff is like 10 days away. Uh College football is in a weird spot, and this week, simultaneously, everything and nothing happening, and uh, yeah, I asked everybody, just so you know, uh, Dave, off the air, if he has any weird Christmas food traditions, and he's pretty normal, so uh, we we can make it through the Sorry new year to before we find yeah. out that he has some weird uh, edible kink for his, uh, <laughs> I don't know what he's got going on there, but let me introduce no, my everybody. Wife, my wife makes a very good cranberry sauce, but other than yeah, that, that's normal. Pretty straightforward. So everybody here, just make sure that you're following the podcast and Apple review. Listen to your podcast. Please help support the show by dropping a five star review and interacting with the show. Any way you can. Um, if you're listening to this in podcast form, also be sure to follow until Saturday on YouTube where you'll get bonus content, uh, on there, shorter videos, live streams, uh, reacting to news and you know after games during the season and into the playoff it's just uh, another place to get more until saturday content and of course leave us a voicemail on sunday sound off or for the sunday sound off episode i should say 316-462-9852 again that is 316-462-9852 on that episode we take your voicemails we hear what you have to say what you're thinking how you feel and we use your voicemails in order to do that there is no sunday sound off this week because it's christmas eve um, but we'll be back at it next weekend. Also sign up for the until Saturday newsletter. Now uh, we'll get your daily fill of college football news right to your inbox delivered to you from the athletic. Now uh, the links to all the shows, whether it be YouTube, the podcast or the newsletter can be found in every show's description. Okay, Dave, before we get into the state of college football, the NIL, the signing day, the recruiting, the transfer portal, and what it means for the overall sport. Cause I think there's a, a discussion to be had there about, if the product is better, um, mm-hmm. let's dip our toes in quickly into Florida state's emergency board of trustees meeting on Friday, where it sounds like Florida state's going to try to figure out whether or not they can sue the ACC to get out early. Yes. Uh, this is a deal that they obviously were, uh, agreed to not long ago. And then things kind of changed and the ACC is in a weird spot. Obviously they were not thrilled about the arrival of Cal Stanford and SMU. Um, I think more than that, it's mostly about, Hey, we're in a world where the power two are a thing. And Florida state is one of the iconic brands of the sport and they're not in that group. So what can we do about that? And I think the playoff snub only intensified a lot of the simmering concerns, but it's not as simple as, Hey, we're going to get out of this and we're going to go somewhere else. And there's going to be a lot of suitors for us. You know, I compare it to kind of like the James Harden, you know, situation or like when a NBA star signs a deal and then wants to get out of it. You can't just like put on a bunch of weight and play terrible. You know, if you're Florida state, that doesn't help. That's not how these things work. Um, and there's 13 other people in the league that need your presence to help cash their checks. And this grant of rights, they pushed on it last year. Some people believe it's airtight. Some people believe if you get the right judge in the right jurisdiction in Florida, that maybe is sympathetic to your cause for whatever reason you can get out, but it's not just about getting out. You got to have a place to go. And Florida right. state doesn't necessarily have that. You can say we're one of the great brands in the sport and the SEC would love to take us. I talked to enough people around the SEC. That's really not the case. Um, and so when we've seen these moves before, Ari, P- 
People leave because they know they have a place to go. Texas and Oklahoma weren't happy with the state of the Big 12. After their TV deal, a lot of the TV um, uh, time spots that they were getting, they weren't happy with too many 11 AMs. Called up Greg Sankey under the cover of darkness, and he said, hey, come on down. Mm -hmm. That's not where Florida State is right now. And they can complain about that. They can say that's not right. But it's not as simple as going out. And independence is not an option. Um, as uh, Michael Alford has said multiple times, told uh, our Nicole Arbeck that recently, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them. So this feels like a much ado about nothing. Well, also, too, it's important to note that this grant of rights goes till 2036. So this yeah, isn't just like time. it's going to be over in two years and shut up. And I mean, if they want out and they don't want to be left behind, we're talking about more than a decade of being in a conference that they're unhappy in. And they view as maybe a second tier that could help not only their income, but their status and stature in the sport. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that I agree completely with the notion that they didn't make the college football playoff this year because they were in the ACC. In fact, I thought their schedule was pretty challenging and they played two SEC teams and won those games. Um, I guess you could probably say that if they were in the SEC, that they would have made it just based on yeah. being in the SEC. But if they're in the SEC, they might not have been undefeated, too. So, like, there's multiple yeah. ways of looking at this. So, I, I don't know if I, like, my first thought with Florida State when they missed the playoff, Dave, was, God, they're in the ACC. They got screwed because of that. Like, it didn't even occur to me. And I get, I, I can understand how somebody would take it there, but I don't think that's what happened. Yeah. What happened was the committee was put into an unprecedented situation where they had to pick between five schools. And... They went with teams that, you know, gave them the easiest out. And it's not like the Big 12 is like the beacon of amazingness when it comes to, you know, getting in. It was just, you know, kind of the way the circumstances played out for them, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I sympathize with them. Um, but we'll, I'm assuming, find out more um, after this meeting on Friday morning. As you guys are listening to this uh, in the podcast feed, it'll be happening or, or over. If anything happens from that meeting, we will hop on and, and give you something more about that. But I, th I think, lastly I think, too. I think before we, before we move on, it feels like you have this thing, you're already mad about the league and then you have this acute pain of the playoff and everybody wearing garnet and gold is like, we got to do something. And it's like, okay, so we're going to meet and like, what are you going to do? Like, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news and maybe this is famous last words, but, it just feels like a lot of people feel like they need to do something and there's nothing to really do. Yeah. Better. Yeah. And who knows how much it's all going to cost as well. So, you know, we'll yeah. see again how it goes, but lawyers. just so you know, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this now that we're talking about Florida state, I think maybe it's worth a minute to talk about on the show here, Dave, but their mm -hmm. entire team is opting out of this game against Georgia, the orange. Bowl. Yeah. I, don't know if I, you kinda, I get um, it. I was kind of disappointed. I'd, I'd like to see them go for the split national championship. I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, yeah. I I'm with them. I understand why they didn't do it. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, the line isn't moving, which I think is interesting. But the, you know, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman on Thursday announced he wasn't playing. Obviously, Jordan yeah. Travis is not playing. Jared Trey Verse. Benson isn't playing. Jared Verse isn't playing. Like their their crux of their entire team is going to be out of this game. Yeah. So if you're looking for a redemption story or, uh, you know, something at the end of the year that says, hey, Florida State should have made it or ha, see, they shouldn't have. I don't think you're going to be able to do that either way. Yeah. Um, but I understand the notion too of like protect your body. If the committee already told you once that your games don't matter, then why would you you know risk injury if you're on the verge of the NFL when uh, playing in a game that actually doesn't matter? So mm -hmm. that's if you've been following along with that, that's important. So okay, Dave, um, we are 24 hours or so um, after the first day of the early signing period. I don't really know if it's called National Signing Day now. It's very confusing to me. Um, the early signing period is a three day window between December yeah. 20th and the 23rd where high schoolers can uh, send in their national letters of intent. And for the most part, 95% um, of the players do that. So instead of it being an early signing period, it's actually just early signing day. Um, but Which I wanted to get into it. Long for this world, just for the record. Yeah. We didn't need, need to go down yeah, that road, but I, I think we don't. I, I think if you're going to do it early, Dave, you do it early. I mean, moving it up two and a half months, Right into yeah. the, the crux of the most busy month of the year, I think is kind of dumb. If, if it were up to me exists in five years, I'll be shocked. Three years, maybe I'll be shocked. They should do one in July for the kids who know early and they should do one in February for the kids yeah. who don't. And yeah, you know, I are, like that. I don't I don't like the idea of signing any time because then you're going to get coaches 
basically Pro- locking yeah. kids in a room on visits and being like, you got to sign, you got to sign, you got to sign. Like, I agree with you. I think July or August, something in the move. And then with that, you've got to have a bunch of outs for the kids. You know, if you're if your coach leaves, your position coach leaves, yeah. NCAA you situation. Of, yeah, you got to have a ton of outs for the kids who sign in July, so that there's incentive for the programs to not just like screw the kids, basically. And but, then it gives um, the portal, it gives the coaches a little bit of a break in December yes. as yes. they're preparing for for the playoff. And there's more teams now that are going to be you know participating in the postseason run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in February, then they can have their month back. So you know, I don't know if that's going to happen, but. Uh, it seems like one pretty easy solution for people who are worried about the calendar. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to discuss if you if you're into results of the recruiting day and you want to know winners and losers and you know who did well, who signed who and all that stuff, I encourage you to listen to Stars Matter that's in the episode or in the podcast feed and on YouTube right now where Mitch Light, Grace Rayner, Manny Navarro and I um went through all that stuff and we also had Jed Fish, Arizona's coach, and Rhett Lashley, SMU's coach, on the show um, to talk about National Signing Day. I would encourage you to go listen to it, but that's not what this show is. Um, this show um, is about the state of college football. Recruiting in the NIL, is there more parity in the sport? And do you believe that the product, as a result of the chaos in the shadows, is better? Mm-hmm. So do you have any thoughts as you go through what you saw yesterday? And if you don't, I'll start and I'll light the fire. I, here's my but, question. When you say is the product better, are you talking about the on field between the white lines, what we see yes. every Saturday? Or are you talking about sort of the the binary question of are you more interested in the sport today than you were one year ago? Five um, years I guess history? you could I guess you could probably do the second thing you said. In terms of good games, good system, generally interested in your players and your team all year round. Um, And do you feel more connected or bought into your program, your team and the sport on a holistic level um, with all these new rules and circumstances than you did maybe five years ago? I think it's it's complicated. I I, I think on the field, in terms of we're going to have more equality, more parity. I'm not sure we've seen that. You could point to Washington. You can point to TCU. You could point to, I guess, Cincinnati. But I don't think that those are necessarily, I I think those are just sort of coincidences and perfect storms rather than trend lines. Um, I think it's going to be harder to build a super team. But as far as just college football as a more equal sport, it's just never going to be that way because of the way roster construction is made. You know, the rich are always going to get richer. Now, what I think the portal and NIL have done is two things, two good, one bad. The first good hope is very powerful. You're always one transfer away. Oh, our quarterback sucks. Well, we can just go get a quarterback in the portal next year. That's kind of a powerful thing in terms of helping interest in the sport. If your team was terrible five years ago, you'd hire a new coach. You say, well, we're two, three years away. Now you feel like, I mean, you know, like Washington is a great example. You know, they were awful in the last year of Jimmy Lake. uh, And now they're in the playoff because they got a new coach and they added a quarterback and they got a couple guys out of the portal and they got a more competent system and they flipped it really fast. USC is sort of a lesser example in some ways, but like they went from being not very good to very pretty good, pretty fast. Um, You can do that now. That's a powerful thing. However, and I, and I will say the other good thing with that is that college football is becoming more of a year-round talking point. Roster construction and guys going in the portal has extended the time in which people are talking about the sport. That's probably good for the sport. Now, I think the transient nature of the rosters as a whole now probably does hurt the sport among a lot of casual fans. Your diehards, they're always going to be there. They're always going to be looking for the next move. I hope we do this. Are we going to do this? Are we talking to this guy? But when everybody's moving around in crazy ways like we're seeing now, I think you see a lot of casual people sort of just hit their college football switch, kind of like turn it off and then say, I'm checking back in in August. Let me know who's on what team. You know? Yeah. I think you'll see some of that. So So, I think slightly better. I don't think it's like in a whole new world. I don't think it's like headed for disaster. I think it's a lot of conflicting factors that have made it in a slightly better position than five years ago. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so there seems to be this notion, and I've seen columns and graphics um, floating around Twitter about this discussion. In the 247 Sport composite, the top 10 players nationally, obviously all five-star prospects, this year went to nine different schools. Mm -hmm. Only one team signed more than one top 10 players nationally, which means that there are more teams that are getting a piece of the most elite-level players' pie. Talking about Mizzou getting one and Auburn getting one, Nebraska getting one and Texas Tech getting one. And there seems to be this notion that because of NIL and because of these new opportunities, that there is going to be more parity in the sport because these programs and teams are getting players that they never would have been able to get to in the past. And I think that especially if you look at like Texas Tech's player and Nebraska's player and um Mizzou's player, they're all either from the area or have ties to sell the home situation, which I think is still a pretty good thing for the NIL and the way that we're, it was supposed to be used. Um, but when you peel back the curtain a little bit, Mitch Light and I are going to do a data-driven piece about this at some point in the next week or so. Um, I went back and looked um, about parity and whether or not that's actually a thing, and I have conflicting results, and I want to know what your thought is. Mm-hmm. In the 2021 class, which was the last full class before NIL got instituted, 23 different teams signed at least one top 100 player, okay? In the 2024 cycle, with NIL, how many different teams do you think signed at least one top 100 player? Is it 30? Is it 30? No, it's 25. Uh, There's very little difference at all in that Mm -hmm. category. So the people who are at the table are still at the table. Now, there might be a few new ones who have one or two, but for the most part, it's the same usual suspects signing the bulk of these players than they were in the past. Um, So that, to me, makes it feel like, well, it's really not that different, even if we're trying to trick ourselves that it is. But then here's where things are different, Dave. In the 2021 cycle, Ohio State and Alabama combined for 30 top 100 players, so 30% of the most elite-level players in the country went to two schools in that cycle. Pre NIL. Mm-hmm. In this cycle, um, the programs that signed the most top 100 players, Georgia, Alabama, Miami, and Ohio State combined for 33. So that's four. So even though there aren't as many new teams sitting at the table, I think that the amount on everybody's plate is starting to be similar. You might be at the table in Alabama and Ohio State's in the last few years, and Georgia's had like food running off the side of it because it was so much. And now there's more equitable plates at the table, which then I think would lead to more parity amongst the teams that were already like super team lights. Does that make sense? Um, Now I want to go and I want to look the last three years combined and then the next three um, and do a more deeper statistical analysis of this. Um, But I do think it is interesting that only one team this year, and that was Georgia, signed 10 double digit top 100 players in their single class. Um, and that was Georgia when they flipped KJ Bolden. Um, they got back to 10 after losing to Dylan Rayola to Nebraska. So mm-hmm. here is my question and the thing that I want to write a column about eventually. Yesterday's signing day was not fun for me. I didn't like it. I usually love signing day and I love the grab ass of it. And I love, you know, who's going to do what or when. But I cannot stand the notion that these guys are just being brokered by adults while they sit there waiting to hear where they're going. Um. And that's somebody who enjoys the notion that they should be paid and thinks they should be compensated. 
Mm-hmm. But there is when we talk about the product and we talk about whether or not it's better, Dave. For the fan, there used to be this inherent connection to the high school players that pick your teams mm-hmm. who, for the most part, were going to come to your school. You were going to get to know those players. They were going to stick through your school for for four years or three years or, or four to five since their commitment. You are going to watch them grow within your university. The connection to you and where you went to college is is um, stronger because you feel like you guys went to the same place. Yeah. And there was a connection to that. If, if a player on National Signing Day used to pick your school, whether he got fed money under the table or not, there used to be this notion that he is one of us or one of me. Yes. That it is was, gone. It was, like that, it was easier to, I think what, what you're alluding to is it was easier to shrug off the pejorative you're cheering for laundry. And when the, the rosters are as transient as they are now, it feels a lot more like you're you cheering You don't even know laundry. who the players are. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying that people don't root for a one-year rental at quarterback or they won't root for whoever's wearing their uniforms. What I'm saying is, is if you think that the experience as a fan is better for the mm-hmm. average fan, I think in that regard, it's gotten a lot worse. Now, that doesn't mean that the true. playoff won't be fun or that teams won't get better or that there might be more parity. I still think we have to see whether or not this year's playoff is an indication of what's to come or if it was kind of a weird year. Um, but you're not connected to the players the way that you used to be. If you don't know who's your starting quarterback, you think it might be hope. Okay, that's hope. Um, But it also is like, you don't know who's going to be your starting quarterback next year. It's like Ohio State. We were talking about their quarterback a few minutes ago. Could be anybody. We don't know who it's going to be. I think it's important to note also, Ari, and I think we're in agreement on this. The players aren't the ones to blame here. It's all the administrators and all the commissioners who have been so resistant yes. to change and you have legislated yourself into a corner now where your both your hands are tied behind your back and you can't stop any of the roster movement because you didn't want to share any revenue. You wanted to pretend like you were a nonprofit, pretend that these guys that were helping you fund billion dollar TV deals were not employees, that they were student athletes and embracing amateurism, despite the fact that you went from, you know, I, I'd be curious, the budgets in like 1996 versus the budgets in 2023. I mean, it's like thousands of percent higher. I'm guessing sure. uh, close to that. And the athletes haven't seen any of this and you didn't want to share any of that. And now you've tried to explain this business model to the courts and the courts are saying, that's insane. You have no right to do anything with these athletes, restrict them. You're unpaid. You're unpaid. And now you're not allowed to, give them a one year non-compete, which is what it actually is. Not a quote unquote year in residency, which is dumbest uh, term maybe in college sports. Um, So you're not allowed to restrict their movement. The waivers are going away. You're probably going to have open transfers until you get something close to a more sustainable model. And that little negative that is hurting college football is because you were so resistant to playing ball and having a real conversation about something that is fair and equitable for both sides. But hey, they got barbershops in the in the facility and slides and recording studios and all this Waterfalls. stuff. And yes, and water. Well, now I will say I talked to Greg Byrne uh uh in Vegas and he was on a panel and he noted that with little fanfare, Alabama actually plugged up, did away with the waterfall um a few years ago and nobody noticed. I didn't know that, honestly. So shout out to Alabama for getting rid of the waterfall, <laughs> but it's, it's, well, it, you know, the thing of, about to, this to illustrate the point is that regardless of whose fault it is, the people who are paying the brunt of the experience are the people who are watching it and yes. the people who are paying the brunt of, of how it's going. And with the players are the players based on trying to maximize their value whenever they can based on where they mm-hmm. are in the, in the, but my thought process here is because it is complete chaos, it's nonsense. Every single time a player is, we're waiting on their national letter of intent. We're wondering if they're brokering a deal behind the scenes. You know, Mm -hmm. every single time a a school loses out on um, a player, it's because the other team paid more. Which is fine. you You know, whatever it is. But the question that I have to you is, if the data shows in the next few years 
that parity is a result of this. Mm-hmm. That more teams are getting better players, and as a result of it, you're going to have playoffs with Michigan and Washington and you know four teams that are all plus money going into it instead of having one superpower that cannot be beaten. If the cost of getting to that place, which is you know the graceland for everybody who wants there to be parity in college football, if the chaos and the month of December and the weirdness that happens in recruiting is worth the price of that to you. I don't think so because Ari, I, th- I think this again, it, it points to a, uh, a philosophical difference between the two of us and how we view the sport. You say you don't view it like this, but I think you actually do. And that is, I think most fans, because you have to, if you're a fan of, you know, Purdue or you're a fan of Washington state, or you're a fan of whatever. The national championship is sort of secondary. That doesn't define my experience of the sport. It doesn't the thing that I wake up and think about. It'd be awesome if my team could get there, so-and-so, but I think most fans don't see it that way. It's about that connection. It's about that sense of home. It's about, hey, I had this great experience here, or I grew up here, or I've cheered for this team my whole life, and these kids are kind of, I'm sort of living vicariously through them. They have a connection to my campus. This is why college football is so different than pros in a lot of ways. And I think when you lose that, I think you lose a lot of the soul of the sport. So the fact that more teams would be competing for a national title, you know, if that's even the case, which I'm not even sure it is, maybe it is. We'll see as time bears that out. Um, Maybe, but I I think you're, you're losing uh, what is more meaningful for a lot higher percentage of fans in the sport. So I would not say that it's worth it. No. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that, and I don't know. You say I, I don't think through the national championship lens. I do, because mm-hmm. that's the entire point of games, you know, to find out who won. I mean, but um, it's not. Like it is, but it's not you know, college football. It's just not. I yeah. care about. I, mean, the college, I, I care about the national championship. That's probably the thing that I care about. That's like the fifth thing I care about. Do you want to know a true story about me, Dave? I'm scared to hear this, but yes. No, it's it's um it's about college football and my okay. experience okay. early on as a young reporter. I was mm-hmm. a student reporter at the University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. And either my last or second to last year, Arizona made the Las Vegas Bowl. And Arizona made this Las Vegas Bowl. Um everybody in Tucson was excited. Everyone was like, "Holy crap, Mike Stoops has got this thing going." You know, it's our first bowl game in X number of years. I can't remember what the circumstances were, but I remember thinking as a young reporter then with no exposure to anything else, but just like covering the team for the newspaper as a kid, I was like 18 years old and didn't understand mm-hmm. anything about anything. Yes. Why are people so happy? This is a disaster. Like I used to think to myself, like they lost seven <laughs> times this year, or six times this year. Like, why are we celebrating this? <laughs> like it's some sort of accomplishment. And like I went to the Las Vegas Bowl and Tucson and Arizona fans were so happy. And I remember sitting up in the press box in the Vegas Bowl thinking like, these people think they're at the Super Bowl right now. This yes. is a joke. It's this not a, a joke. joke. It's college football. So maybe it has always been. Maybe. Definitely. Ari. Inherently in my, in my chest. I was Anyone like, listen to this show. Yeah. Has, would know that. Listen, it's. But it's then I guess uh, if you're born and indoctrinated into a program that just has not been very good. You kind of just accept that you have to view the sport through the parameters in which your team lives in. You can't think about national championships if you went to Colorado State. Like that's not that's yeah. not your fault. But that doesn't mean that you still shouldn't strive to win your conference or yes. to win ten games or to do things that you can celebrate in your own right. Um, but I think that there is a lot of celebrated mediocrity in college football, and I don't know that that's you know, my cup of tea, but I certainly understand why people do, you know, some call it celebrated mediocrity. Some people call it embracing realistic expectations. Hey, yeah. Tomato, I, mean, tomato. <laughs> I mean, I think that everybody for how much money is being paid to these coaches and, you know, I just think that striving for excellence is the entire lesson of the sport. And I think that doing that is the point of the game. Like, but I think that's the whole define, thing. Or you have to define excellence in a fair way. The way that rosters are constructed, it is not, reasonable like at the end of the day Ari, this is all supposed to be fun okay and what is the fun of if you're an arizona fan to use your example 
And the only thing that will satisfy you is winning the Pac-12 or winning the national championship. Then you've literally never had a fun year of college football ever. And you're not going to be a college football fan because you're like, this experience is miserable. My team went nine and three and I'm ready to like. Well, that's different. Know, no, no, I think, I think like they could, they could celebrate this year. This well, is but a I'm great talking year about for in them. general, though. That's what I'm saying, though. And like you could say it's mediocrity because they didn't get to the Georgia level, but like you have to be realistic. But I didn't mean it that they have to get to the Georgia level. I think that this is a great year to celebrate. This was a transcendent year for Arizona football. Now, I don't know if that will ever mean going to play against Georgia in the college football playoff, but I also do believe that in the 12 team era, that teams like Arizona, maybe as soon as next year, might be making the playoff. And might be able to win a game. And honestly speaking, with how good that they became at the end of the year, I'd love to see them play mm-hmm. Oregon or Washington. They were a very good football team this year. And just because they stunk forever doesn't mean that they didn't pull the right strings. They got a coach that understands how recruiting works and got a top 50 receiver out of California and a really good quarterback. And guess what? They're good. Like, I, I just don't mm-hmm. know that it is as impossible to win at places as people think it is. It might be as impossible to win a national championship. Um, but you know, it is just an interesting dynamic because as I sat through Dave national signing day on Wednesday, I just thought this is a meat market and I don't know who's having fun right now. Like, and well, I, and I, I was kind of sad about that. I, yeah, that part of it is uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, kids are getting paid. I hope they go to places and have the wherewithal within them. What if they're going to places they don't want to go to as a That's result of saying. getting paid? I hope, that, yeah. I hope that's not the case. Um, and I think for some kids it was, but I don't think for everyone, I think for me, the thing I didn't particularly enjoy this signing day because it felt inconsequential in the portal era. That's my biggest takeaway from yesterday is you see all these decisions. And in in 2015, this is going to change the course of a lot of programs future in 2023. That kid, like half the kids that are in the top 100 might be in the the portal. I think that's right. I'm not, I'm not going to go down the road with you of like, it was inconsequential. If you're a team yes. that signed multiple top 100 players and you get to foster your program's foundation with those players, you're going to be more better off. Uh, how about this? Sorry. How about, how program about instead of being consequential, how about a fraction of the consequence of a decade ago? How about that? A know. small fraction. I mean, we'll of the see. Yeah, we will. We'll see a team win because they're really good in the portal. And then we'll talk about it. Well, that's, it doesn't a, good, happen. that's a good jumping yeah. off point, Ari, because I think it's worth yes. talking about one team that is has done pretty well in high school recruiting, but the, uh, I, I think clearly the portal King to this point, yes. Kiffin, a team in Ole Miss that has not enjoyed big time success might, might have some big time success next year. Ari right now, if you look at, okay, they've added, uh, to Marion McDonald, they added Tyler Brown. We kind of hit on this a little bit, but the idea of them going for it, you have Jackson dart coming back. You have Quinshawn Judge. Ole Miss, you're talking about. You haven't said Ole Miss. Sorry, we're talking about Ole Miss. You got a chance to get in the 12 team playoff, and maybe Alabama is no longer the team standing between you and getting in the Final Four. That seems like it would likely not be the case because I think Ole Miss this year, and especially if this all works out next year, was better than a lot of teams. Um, You know, if you draw Penn State in your opener or you draw Liberty in your opener or whatever, you're probably going to win that game if you're Ole Miss, right? And I'm very fascinated to see because I think Dion wants to talk about being the guy that's changing the sport. But I think the reality is that you can't build a whole roster out of the portal. But if you have a pretty good foundation where Ole Miss is at right now, then you can add a bunch of pieces in what looks like a peak year for you and try to get some insurance and say, Which, hey, we're going to be deeper. We're going to spend more money than is probably fiscally responsible in the short term to get a bunch of these guys and bolster our roster and, as I said, go for it. And that's just that basically being buyers on the trade deadline of a pro sports team. Very similar. That's mm-hmm. that's what that means. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But then I also think you a little bit contradicted yourself because so? you have to – because what happens on Wednesday, which you said is a fraction of consequence – is the thing that determines whether or not you're able to be put in a position where you can supplement your roster well enough to win big. And and even then, we don't know that that'll work. Um, yeah. But I, I was very disappointed and continue to be very disappointed with the Colorado effort 
And in a world where you are minimizing or, you know, some people minimize the importance of National Signing Day from the high school ranks, I cannot stand the way he's trying to build that team in Boulder, and I just don't think it's going to work. And it's like if Deion Sanders would have put, you know, five or six top 100 players and signed 10 um, in this cycle, then I might be like, okay, well, he's putting some players in the program that are going to be foundational tent poles that he can build around through the portal, and then hopefully in three or four years, it'll be very, very good. But, you know, if you go look at Kirby Smart's class, you, you know what you'll go find? A lot of offensive linemen. You want to know why? Uh, or a lot of, you know, a lot of linemen, um, you know, offensive tackle. I think there's like five or six offensive linemen in this class. You want to know why? Because he knows you can't build a line in the portal, and he'd rather oversign that position in the high school ranks and worry about it later on uh, down the line by seeing the cream rise to the crop. And these well, are certain, there are certain positions I think that you cannot build through the portal. And mm-hmm. thus I think sat like Wednesday still remains to be very consequential. If you lose a receiver or you're deep at a position and you have a luxury piece who flips, you might be able to get him back in the year. I understand that, but your foundation of your program, the thing that determines whether I think you can win or lose is how well you do on Wednesday. Still, that has not changed for me. Yeah. Well, I think two things. One, let's not compare Georgia and Colorado because they're very different in their needs. But I think the thing that I would be concerned about if I was They're not the same. A, they're not the same. Oh, interesting. Uh, but I think I think if I can <laughs> Yeah. If I think Thank if you I, for the insight. I, you're, well, you're welcome. That's what listen, that's what we bring on this show. Yeah. But I think if you're if you're a you know, you bleed black and gold and you are a full blooded Colorado fan that you know, 20 years after Dion, you're still going to be caring about Colorado. If you're Dion or you're Shador Sanders, you're probably pretty excited about the next year. You got all these new linemen. You added a couple receivers. You got these pieces. But in terms of roster building, and this goes back to what we were talking about with Dion, where he, you know, I think he told the AP like earlier this month, he wants to retire in Boulder. He wants to be in Boulder for a long time. Okay. That's fine. You can say that. His actions are the exact opposite of that though. Your actions are speaking so loud. I can't hear what you say. And regardless of what you say, if you were planning on being in Boulder for a short term, you were doing all of the things that would signify that. I get that you want to win now. Okay, I get that. But you also have to build something of of a foundation. And if I am a black and gold bleeder, big time buff fan, okay, you know Coach Prime's not going to be here forever. And if he's only here for a short time, I shudder to think at the state of the roster and what you do and the churn that you might get into and trying to play this portal game whenever he leaves. Because if you keep portaling and you keep portaling and you keep portaling, like you don't really have anything like to build on. You're just sort of throwing your roster out there. And I think that you're, 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 you're putting the program in a position where if I'm Rick George, the AD or I'm a donor or somebody that really cares about Colorado more than the coach prime experience, I'm, I'm pretty worried for the long term of the program. And I don't know how you can not be when you yeah, have, it just kind of feels like idea. somebody bought a shitty car at um, a junkyard got it home and painted it up really quickly and put some duct tape under the hood to make it look better, flipped it real quick. And then when you drive it down the road, it falls apart. Like mm-hmm. I just, I feel like this is a quick read, like a quick rehab job for a program that needed a deep and detailed cleaning and refurbishing. And we're not getting that right now. And I mm-hmm. think that the best way that I would settle it up before, before we go on to the next segment here is um, I just don't think He's loving the program the way that it needs to. I think Wednesday is for foundation and portal is for supplement. And I think that's always going to be the case. And if you don't participate in Wednesday, then you're not giving your program something to build on or grow through. And that's just going to be my opinion until somebody proves that that's not the case. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. 
we are going to be doing um, a little bit of a stock segment. Me and Sam Khan did it before the season started, and we are going to be buying and selling program stock based on the portal um, and National Signing Day. Um, I think Dave and I probably agree on most of these. But mm-hmm. first, why don't we go with who David is buying and why, and then I'll tell you mine. We'll start with the Nebraska Cornhuskers, Ari. <laughs> bye, I bye, am. bye. I bye. am buying. Amelia. Here's, it's just as simple as Dylan Rayola, and it's not about Dylan Rayola, but it's also about Dylan Rayola. There's a lot of red flags with Dylan Rayola, okay? He committed to somebody else twice. Mm-hmm. Not you. Matt Rule says yesterday, I haven't really been around him that much. Uh, he called me. You know, he came back in the fold. Okay. Bunch of high schools. Don't love that. Uh, the poem. E.E. Uh, e. Cummings, Edgar Allan Poe. I'm not sure Dylan Rayola is. However, You are a five-star quarterback. You have a gravitational pull. And that is very powerful. Most of the time. Texas saw it with Arch Manning. It works in the portal, especially if you can prove it. And Nebraska's got a lot of warts. But Ari, if you're trying to build a program, what's the one position that you would need in fact, a game changer at? To start? Um... Um, quarterback? <laughs> That's actually- <laughs> I think it would be better if you're Dylan Rayola and you want to have better players around you to commit to a program a year before signing day so then you can recruit. That's how a lot of these quarterbacks do it is they're usually the first or second guy in the boat and then they spend the next year recruiting. You didn't do that. So that impact is going to be muted. But you got a full year here. The portal era allows you to flip guys. You still got two months, maybe get a get a handful of guys in. This is the kind of thing that you need. You need him to be good, and you need him to be a draw. But for Nebraska, they haven't had a lot of juice in a long time. They got a little bit of juice now, uh, and you got this kid with a lot of ties to Nebraska who understands the program, and that's huge. And so, for that reason alone, you've got to like Nebraska's stock going up. Yeah. Um, and for the sake of brevity here, we're not gonna I'm not gonna agree or disagree with you when it comes to who you're buying. Um mm-hmm. you are an, a seasoned investor and you know exactly what you're <laughs> looking for. But Nebraska signed a top twenty class. Yeah. Nebraska signs top twenty five classes every year. Now the question with Nebraska has always been, um, are they misevaluating their players? Are they bad at development? Whatever it is, because their output doesn't match their input. If you have a coach who's going to be signing top 20 classes at Nebraska, knows how to build a program, has a um, first-round draft pick at quarterback for the first time in maybe forever, um, I think that the direction of the program is trending upward as a result of that. And if you think about any coach that has been given the opportunity to rebuild a team, getting a in with the number one overall player in the country who happens to play quarterback and being compared to Patrick Mahomes usually doesn't come with the rebuild project. So Mm -hmm. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Okay, my first buying is Oregon. To the moon, baby. To the moon, baby. Um, I love their coach. I love their assistants, and I love their NIL. And if you look at uh, what they have to offer heading into the Big Ten, I think it is certainly within the realm of possibility that they will be the second most talented team on paper in that conference the second they arrive, Um, Mm -hmm. even more so than Michigan. So Mm -hmm. um, with the way that they handled their business on signing day, they flipped the top 100 receiver from Ohio State. They finished with a top six class. You know, I do think that there was an extra gear there for them to hit, but on top of it, they bring in Dante Moore to be a quarterback of the future. They bring in Dylan Gabriel. Like they have a lot of exciting pieces, yeah, a coach that gets it and a resources pool that can get them to be very exciting. So mm-hmm. I think that that wasn't like they, they've been a fun team to watch all year. Uh, I think that there is a little bit more in the tank of what we can expect from Oregon uh, moving forward. Yes. Uh, Ari, my second buy. 
We're going down to the Plains for the Auburn Tigers. You know what's crazy, Dave? And I'm going to let you cook here, mm-hmm. but you just bought it so damn low. Like if if you like bought the stock the day that Hugh Freeze was hired, mm-hmm. like the stock was in the dumps. And all you had to do is scoop up a bunch of those penny stocks down there. And it's already, I'll let you explain why, but like just getting somebody who gets it. It's just so, Mm -hmm. this is the easiest buy that there is. Well, it's amazing what you can do when you have a coach that knows how to recruit. And a lot of the things that um, got Hugh Freeze in trouble at Ole Miss are legal now. So you sort of can just do those things. Uh, maybe not the thing that was his uh, final. Yeah, not that one thing. Miss, yeah. But that's that's still illegal. <laughs> but <laughs> but also too the thing that people always illegal. say that people always say that Dave, like you can do it now, it's legal. It's like there's no advantage if everybody can do it. Like that doing it illegally. Well, is but what if you know how good. to do it well and you know how to yeah. get the money out of people, um, because you still have to yeah. fundraise. So, but more than that, if you're Auburn, you have a very difficult task. And that is that you are probably going head to head with Georgia and Alabama, the two best programs in the sport for like everyone. You got to beat both those teams. And Auburn, Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, Marcus Riddick, Jamonte Walker, they flipped all those guys from Georgia or Alabama. That is massive because, again, it's the recruiting is such a perception game. Okay. And yes, those are going to be, you want those to be great players, you want to develop those guys. But when you have a trend like that, you can ride that trend for quite a while. And at Auburn, again, coming off of a six and six year, you've got a top 10 class. You're sitting there seventh place right now nationally. That's hard to do. Auburn on the field was not exactly world beaters, not particularly exciting this year. Uh, Offensively, not that great. Um, You know, people still in the sport don't love Hugh Freeze, but the man can can get into a living room and have some real impact. And they've shown that. And so for me, I'm buying the stock. I don't know what this means for them. I mean, Auburn, it seems to always sort of peaks and valleys seem to be the name of the game for them, but you've got to win on the recruiting show and you've got to beat Georgia and Alabama. If you're taking their leftovers, you're never going to climb over them. And that is not taking their leftovers. That is taking, uh, you know, the chicken right off their plate. So congrats to, Auburn for a pretty big uh, flip miss celebration. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, they weren't involved with good players before. Simply put, they just weren't trying. Uh, and well, now I they mean, are. They, they had a head so, coach I mean, who seemed very uninterested in developing relationships across the state and across the region, which is like the whole thing. Like, I just, yeah, I, 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 it, I it was a weird fit to start, but you would think that if you know you're a weird fit, you have to go over the top to develop those relationships and prove you are a fit. And the Brian Harson, I mean, I like, I think he's a good ball coach, but just the recruiting was such a disaster. And I, that's the whole thing in the sec. If you don't have a maniacal recruiter, you can't exist. Also quick aside, Ari, I got weirded out yesterday watching like Dan Lanning on the big 10 network. I feel like these things are going to come in little yeah. moments, but I saw it. I was like, wait, why is Dan Lanning on the big 10 network? And then oh, it hit me and I was like, yeah. Oh, that's right. I was legitimately confused. I was like, why in the world would the big 10 network yeah. have Dan Lanning on to talk about his recruiting class? And then it hit me. So yeah, that's funny. That's that's going to happen five more times in the next off season. So yeah, it's going to take about a year before that stuff starts feeling normal, but you mm-hmm. know, welcome to the, welcome to the terror dome. Um, my, yeah. I feel like this is a risky buy, uh, but I feel like it's impossible not to buy, and that's just Miami. Bye, bye, bye. You can, you, you can. Okay. Just to be clear, just before you go ahead, Ari. Um, yeah. You've watched Miami play, correct? Especially yeah. maybe in like that's maybe why like I said it's risky. Maybe, maybe like tight games late, maybe. Yeah, like where Maybe. the most obvious play to call to end a game is available to you and then you don't take it, like those types of situations. You know, they say the prevent defense prevents you from winning. Traditionally, the victory defense uh, or victory offense makes it very hard to not enjoy a victory, but um, some people are just too tough for it, Ari. If you're paying attention to what Miami did in the last month of the recruiting cycle, um, it's very easy to get lost 
um, in the analysis of who they are and what they were doing um, throughout the entire recruiting cycle because in a six-week period or a one-month period, they went from like a top 11 class to a top three class in the snap of a finger and had all of us waiting up till 9.30 p.m. on Wednesday to see if they were going to flip Jeremiah Smith out of Ohio State's hands at the last second. If you have a program that is going to automatically sign top five classes and flip big-time offensive linemen, receivers, and all sorts of different players into that program that makes them an inherently dangerous outfit moving forward. Now, they don't have a quarterback, uh, and that's a problem. But to me, the product that we've been getting from Miami has to get better when you sign classes like this. Now, the thing that I would be a little bit worried about is if people are making their decisions because of finances, um, they might be more likely to make other decisions because of finances and leave. But they are bringing in too many good players to not buy stock, even if the notion is that Mario Cristobal is not a great game manager. Um, And Oregon fans will scream at you about it and whatever. But you got to think about when you're buying a stock, you're buying it from where they are. They don't have to go win a national championship to make money on the stock. They just have to go win nine, ten games. And I think in the ACC, that's a very reasonable notion um, with the amount of players they have on their team. So that. I just think that where they are and where they're going, you might be able to pick up a few shekels on the way up the up the ladder there. So, okay, Dave. Yes. We're both selling the same team. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you just say it? But I'm embarrassed um, to have bought in both in their stock in real life. Yeah. Um, and, of course, all the things that I've written and said in the time since, they are a truly, truly, truly embarrassing um, situation for me right now. USC Trojans. Sell it, sell it. Let me out of here. I'm never going to financially recover from this. <laughs> Do you, have you seen Tiger King? <laughs> yes. Uh, Ari, I my moved favorite, the Yes. My favorite <laughs> part of that whole thing is I'm never going to financially recover from this came after that was the first thing he said when they told him that the person that worked for him got her arm bitten off. Yeah. One that of his was trusted lieutenants is missing her arm. And uh, she goes, <laughs> he goes, this, this woman got her arm bitten off and he goes, Oh my God, I'm never going to financially." He wasn't thinking about the woman's arm. All he was thinking about was never. And I got to say from a pure comedy standpoint, <laughs> that was some of the fun. I, I was laughing hysterically for at least 15 minutes when I first saw that. Um, and, mm-hmm. It gets me every time, like the psychosis and the and the self um, being so caught up in yourself to the point where somebody got their arm bitten off. And the only thing that you can think about is what it's going to mean for your pocketbook. Um, is, well, is Ari, I know if there's one thing the world needs, it's more uh, Tiger King content. So I'm glad that I actually thought the show that. sucked, if we're being honest. Um, <laughs> I, I was like, I, I watched it for 40 minutes. It's like, all right, I think I've gotten my fill of this thing. Um, I enjoyed it at the time. Um, perhaps I was under the haze of a uh, lockdown. But anyway, listen, Corey Foreman's in the portal. Malachi Form or Malachi Nelson is out. We'll we'll see what Malachi Nelson becomes. Damani Jackson, Relic Browns at uh, Arizona State now. Uh, did Damani Jackson announce where he was? Damani, uh, no, they're in the portal. In the portal. I don't know where they're going yet. Uh, I just legendarily low amounts of juice. Uh, we'll see what the Anton Lynn can do for them, but there's only so many guys and you can't replace that kind of talent. And, you know, we're still, we're still not sure what USC's, you know, is it going to be the Miller Moss show next year? What are we, what are we doing? Will Howard, right? Oh yeah. Will Howard. I forgot about Will Howard. Excuse me. Um, so in general, that's a lot of losses. That's a lot of losses. Dave, let me take the wheel here. I'm going to take the wheel here because you're not hitting hard enough. What is USC's plan? Who are they supposed to be and what are they supposed to be striving for? Are they a quarterback-driven program that has a star Heisman finalist every single year that's going to be in the the Heisman Trophy ceremony leading a beautiful flock of sexy offense to 60 points a game while shitting on all their opponents while scooping up all the players in SoCal and 
recruiting at a high enough level where like they are being compared to Georgia or are they going to sign a top 20 class in year three of the Lincoln Riley era, lose all of their five-star prospects out of the state of California and replace Caleb Williams with Will Howard. Like if you would have told me where this team would be in year three of the Lincoln Riley era, the day he was hired, uh, I would have like lost my mind. Like I Mm -hmm. cannot imagine like I, it's not even that it's going bad. I don't even know what to grab onto for positivity. Like what what do I look at from a USC standpoint and go, yeah, that's the thing that I know is going to save them. You know, they, though they fired their entire defensive staff. Oh, okay. Now they're going to come out there and be the 2000 Ravens. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't mm-hmm. know if they have the players to make it that much better. I don't know who their quarterback is going to be. The only player that I can even think is going to be amazing um, is Zachariah branch. Cause we already know he's a stud, but like other than that, they don't have any talent that excites you. It's like, what are we doing? Like, what direction are we headed in? How could you possibly think that anything that's happening at USC is good right now? And I think that's probably going to be the clip for the social media. But like, it like blows my mind how bad you think that this is what they wanted when they when they they hired him from Oklahoma. This is a disaster. This is a disaster. The defense is the defense is worse. The offense is worse. And there's no direction. What's you should have had an easier time recruiting. Like, if you're in Oklahoma and you're trying to recruit, you still got to beat Texas in Texas for kids. AM is obviously still a factor. The SEC's dipping their toe in Texas. If you're, I thought they I mean, were going to kill thing. everybody in Southern California. They're getting I their ass so kicked too. by Oregon. Yes, if you're out in LA, you you don't have that much competition. You know, you're a better program than UCLA. Oregon's got to come into your territory and get kids. And they flip the top and, 100 player on signing day away mm-hmm, from you. Oregon mm-hmm. is kicking your ass in Southern California. And okay, fine. You want to make it an NIL discussion? Make it an NIL discussion. But this is not acceptable. There's yeah. nothing good about it. It's it's banana land. How bad? It yes. Uh, and then Ari, I try to I try to be nice, but like it was like bubbling up while you were talking. I just like don't know how I will to give you. I will get. Well, I don't have a thousand dollars in the pot, so I feel your anger, but I don't necessarily. No, it's not because of the thousand. Anything. I just think it's, it's <laughs> we don't know how much he's getting paid, but I think it's north of ten million dollars a year. And this is a disaster and unmitigated. Are you going to send him a Venmo request, Ari? You should at least pop a few few dollars my way. Let's do it. Ari, I will give you the pleasure of introducing. You know, when we made the bet, it was a four-team field. So the fact that I'm going to lose in a 12-team field is a disaster. It's embarrassing. Yes. Unless, um, Ari, maybe their defense fixes. What? What? I, I USC making a playoff run next year would be the funniest possible scenario. It's not. It can't happen. It, 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 it will not happen. It cannot happen. It probably um, won't happen, but I, mean, it I don't know. They can make it to number 11 or something. But, um... All right, let's just move on um, to my last sell, and then we'll go to the picks real quick for the bowl because we're getting we're getting toward the end of the run here. Um, I'm selling stock in Florida. Sell, sell, sell. Uh, me too. I thought that Billy Napier uh, was going to come in and um, build a massive recruiting outfit that you know was legendary when it came to NIL and graphic design and on campus visits and all the things that he promised on his. Uh, you know, introductory press conference in December 5th, 2021, and they are losing literally everybody. Now they held on to LJ McCray and DJ Lagway. They signed two top 10 players in the country, two five-star prospects, but they lost six top 150 players to other teams in the last, uh, you know, yeah. month and a few weeks. They went from like a top four class to a top 15 class in like a month. Now they're weeks. out of the top 15 now. And they I didn't lost realize they had fallen nucleus. that far, yeah, they, they lost a nucleus that would have been the crux of a top 25 class in like flips out. Um, so, you know, and obviously DJ Lagway is is somebody that you can hitch your wagon to. But, you know, Florida is starting to look more like Auburn than Alabama um, or uh, the mm-hmm. Brian Harson or Auburn, I should say. I, here's um, what I don't and I don't know what the what the path out here is. You're not going to sign a bunch of players. Then what are we doing? And the thing that I don't understand, Dave, uh, more than anything, and I'll let you hop in here, is usually when people have such terrible success in recruiting, it's because they're like Dan Mullen. They just don't get it. They don't embrace it. They don't want to dive into it. They're not obsessed with it. Like Billy Napier is all those things. So like from a smarts and understands it standpoint, like he has all those characteristics. So um, I wrote a column about this yesterday, but it's just like, what is the problem here? Is it NIL? I, I don't know. But like, yeah. It just can't just always be NIL. There are um, 25 teams who signed a top 100 player, and you're one of them. Like, I mean, it's not like you're the only team that is dealing with this. And obviously, I'm sure DJ Lagway isn't going to Gainesville for free. So I, I just I have a hard time with this. So, um, Well, I think 
Because his job is to get them on par with Oregon and I mean, with Georgia and Alabama, and that's not happening here. Not even close. As for the why, I I don't know. I I think some some programs can um, outweigh on-field results. It's easier in year one because you can just point to the field and say you can play early and you can get paid. And your year one results, I think you can sort of gloss over. Year two, especially when you're at Florida and, you know, having the kind of season that they did is obviously beyond unacceptable at Florida. It's hard to recruit past that. And I think as the losses pile up, it's not as easy to say, well, we're going to fix what's on the field because you had two years of results. But regardless, this is why, like, there's a lot of consternation in Tennessee right now for them finishing second to like a ton of recruits. And they got a good start on the class and didn't really get any momentum and didn't really add a lot of big pieces down the stretch. But like Florida, I I think that that's better than getting kids and decommitting because when you lose kids, like, you know, if you never get a PS5 for Christmas, Ari, well, that's that is what it is. But if you like get a PS5 for Christmas and your parents say you're getting one and then you go buy it with them and then it shows up under the Christmas tree and you know that's a PS5 and then you open it up and it's just like a cardboard box, that's different than just not getting one, right? A child abuse. I mean, yeah. Well, so there you why go. Would they do, why would a parent do that to their kid? <laughs> why would Billy Napier do this to Florida, Ari? <laughs> um, so I, they're, they're again recruiting, and you're running your program, and all these things are perception is a real thing. It's very hard, and if you have some juice, you have to ride that juice. And when the juice starts draining out of the bottle, like it is in Florida, it comes, it becomes tough to come back from, and that's where Florida's at right now. All right, Dave. Let's move on to the final segment of the show here. Um, Mm -hmm. We are going to be picking some bowls. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a reminder, all of the lines uh, are presented by our partners at BetMGM. And BetMGM is running at seven days of parlays uh, this week. Those with BetMGM accounts will receive a token to use on select parlays and SGPs. This Saturday, December 23rd, you can receive a token for a parlay boost that covers college football. Be sure to check it out, which brings us into our bowls. First, the Gasparilla Bowl. I don't know what Gasparilla is, but I always think of root beer because of sarsaparilla. Um, yeah, I don't we know. We have um, USF six and UCF. six. Oh, what did I say? USF UCF. They're gonna come after you. Oh, don't I'm say sorry. Golden Knights. If you say Golden Knights, they're gonna they're gonna murder you, Ari. UCF laying minus five and a half uh, against Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech is three and two. At all all time versus uh, the Golden Knights. Uh, their wins came in 2000, 1999, 1996. Are you just you sealed see- your fate. You just sealed your fate. I did it again. You said Golden Knights. They're going to kill you. I don't even here's understand the, thing, the problem with that. Here's, here's the thing about... Exactly, Ari. Here's the thing about UCF, because you haven't made this mistake on the internet before. UCF fans, low-key, one of the angriest Twitters, UCF people. They're furious. And they got rid of the Golden in Knights quite a while ago. But it's for some reason it has still stuck. So I believe it was in 2015. Shout out to Blake Bortles and uh, I forget the receiver's name, JJ something. They were that was I was working at ESPN and they were playing Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl and I previewed the game and I had Golden Knights like in the main like I don't know if it was a headline or what it was, but it was very prominent. Buddy, I got harassed by UCF fans for like a month. And this was pre-split uh, national championship. They've been a feisty bunch for some time. And Golden Knights is like their is like their uh like biggest trigger point. So, Seems like a bizarre thing to get all worked up about, but um, you know, maybe, that's- but it's it's just, this is college football, Ari. People get worked up about bizarre things all the time. So anyway, go ahead. UCF. The UCF Golden Knights are laying minus uh, five and a half uh, against Georgia Tech. Who's your pick? Uh, is our guy John Rice? Did you get what I did there? I got it, Ari. Your okay. guy John, our guy John <laughs> Rice, probably. I, I, I believe he's playing in this game. If so, I like I like the Knights in this ball game. I like I like UCF to score. Uh, this is going to be a pretty fun game. A lot of points. Uh, give me UCF. He is playing. Uh, and I'm with yeah. you on that. Let's go to the next yeah. one. Guaranteed rate bowl. Uh, this is uh, the day after Christmas on Tuesday. Kansas is eight and four, laying 12 and a half against UNLV that finished nine and four. It's the first time that UNLV has been good in my lifetime, I think. 
Kansas mm-hmm. uh, lost in the Liberty Bowl last year to Arkansas 55-53. And if you remember how crazy that game was, I remember exactly where I was watching that game. I was with my dad at a pizza place in Scottsdale. Um, the Jayhawks had over 650 or 600 yards of total offense. And um, the entire game, I think, came down to some weird two-point conversion in overtime. If I remember yes, I, was at a, I, was, I actually remember where I was when I watched the game, too. I was at a sports bar in Miami, Florida. Shout out, or not a sports bar. It was like a, it was a restaurant of some kind. I believe it was a hybrid Brazilian and Asian restaurant in Miami or in Fort Lauderdale. The uh, hybrid Brazilian Asian restaurant. We'll we'll unpack that uh, coming up on the next week's show. But <laughs> anyway, um, yes, UNLV's got sixty percent or sixty five percent of the money. Uh, they're catching twelve and a half. Andy Kotelnicki's at Penn State right now. Um, I just the twelve and a half seemed like a lot to me. Yeah, especially for a team like UNLV that I think is going to be able to score. Uh, Kansas does a lot of things. They don't particularly defend well. I like a lot of points here. I, Kansas wins this game probably. UNLV is kind of in a weird spot. I didn't love the way they played Boise down the stretch. Just got kind of beat up in a pair of games, and then Boise had some had some problems in their bowl game. But I'll 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 take the points in UNLV here. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, Dave, that was a lot to unpack. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday. Be sure to subscribe to the Until Saturday podcast feed so that you're notified when we publish the podcast and new shows are up. We will not have a Sunday Sound Off live stream this week on the account of the holidays. Uh, We want to wish you a happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas if you enjoyed Hanukkah. Whatever your uh, persuasion is, I hope that you and your family um, are are safe and um, can have a wonderful time together. The next show you will hear in the feed will be a special power hour and Max and Sam crossover podcast. Nicole, Chris and Max and Sam will get you ready for the sugar and Rose bowls and an extensive preview of the college football playoff semifinals. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can join all of our live streams. Subscribe to the until Saturday newsletter. The link to that is in the show description for Ari Wasserman. That's me, David Ubbin. That was the latest edition of until Saturday.